This country started a war. The enemy, illegal drugs. And the war is still going on. For ourselves and for future generations, a new world order. The Zika virus, now more than 30 cases detected here in the U.S. Flint, Michigan, and how its drinking water ended up contaminated with toxic amounts of lead. Everything's a lie. It's all a big lie. What's up, everybody? My name is Tanner, and welcome to 1980 Now, a podcast for truth seekers and free thinkers. I hope you've all had a fantastic week, and as always, thank you for being here with me. Of course, I have to say that if you enjoy this podcast and if it brings value to your life, do me a favor and hit that subscribe button. And feel free to follow me on Instagram at 1980NowPodcast to see interesting pics, clips, and life updates about the show. Another way that you can support me is by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Five-star reviews help the show analytically and with the algorithm so that I get recognized by more potential listeners. And if you really, really like the show, consider becoming a Patreon supporter, which will give you full access to all episodes along with some other cool perks. All right, let's get into the show. Today, I have with me a very special guest. In addition to being a naturopathic doctor, she is the owner and operator of Yum Naturals Emporium, where she designs and produces handcrafted all-natural body care remedies. She is a blogger, a vlogger, an author, a mother, and she has been one of the leading voices speaking out against medical tyranny, for medical rights, and for natural healing. I'm sure there are a million other things I could add to that list, but without further ado, welcome to the show, Miss Amanda Vollmer. Hi, Tanner. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, like I told you before we started, um, it's just such an honor and a pleasure to have you on. Uh, I've been following your content for some time now. I actually discovered you originally through uh, one of the Jaronism shows. And I was like, wow, this lady is really awesome. And then shortly after that, I saw a rant that you did. And I think the title of the rant was something like Enough is Enough. <laughs> and it went, you know, kind of viral within the truth community. And I was just like, wow, this is incredible. I was so inspired and encouraged by it. And uh, there was just something about your energy throughout the entire rant where you know, at one point I was angry with, you know, angry alongside you, I mean to say. And then at another point I was laughing alongside you. And then I was like hurting and it was just an incredible rant. And so I want to encourage my listeners to, to go check that out. And of course the, the rant was in the context of everything that went on in the year 2020 with, um, you know, quote unquote COVID and, and all of that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think I mentioned that to you before we started was that that was, you know, how I originally just got hooked on your content was from that rant. <laughs> that was a good day. I'll tell you. Sometimes I just feel this fire come through me. And that was one of those days I, I really was very frustrated. And actually a little bit today, I felt some of that come through again because of the just, it's the it's insane what's happening and uh it's it's frustrating on so many levels i'm sure many of us who know what's going on feel that inner frustration and are trying to do our best to overcome it and to ground ourselves and be um you know find some sort of positive aspect to all the changes uh, but then you get your days that just you just want to scream <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I'm right there with you. And that's actually a great segue into uh, one of the first things that I wanted to talk about. And that is that, like I told you before we started here in Texas, it's almost as if nothing ever happened right now. At, at least the, I'm sorry, I should clarify this part of Texas that I'm in West Texas. Um, things have just really opened up uh, football games and basketball games and baseball. I mean, uh, it's not football season now, but uh, at, like sports games are are happening and uh, events are going on and churches are meeting in person. 
you know, jobs are back in office. My job is back in office full time and um, nobody's required to wear a mask. I was at our health food store today and for the first time, none of the employees were wearing masks. And um, it was just such a beautiful thing to see. And I'm sure that you've, you're familiar with uh, what Govern- Governor Abbott has done passing certain laws um, recently that, you know, uh, businesses can't require um, their employees to get the jab. So just a, a lot of different things have transpired recently here in Texas. And, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to celebrate Governor Abbott too much because he should have never enforced any of this in the first place. And, and, and I totally understand that really none of it is really enforceable. I get that, but uh, you, you understand what I'm saying. Um, mm-hmm. He should have never done any of this in the first place, though. However, mm-hmm. it's really nice that things have opened up. And from where I stand, it, things are looking up. It looks like there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So I wanted to kind of contrast that with your perspective from where you are in Canada. What are things like right now in Canada? Well, <laughs> I'm in Ontario. Uh, there's So part of the UN agenda... Um, which is to their next big goalpost or where they want to be finished a lot of this by is 2050. Um, right. what, they've, what they're doing is putting a lot of the power into the mayors or in, into the governors or into the local politicians. So they're working at sort of the opposite is, of what you would think. Um, and they're giving power and control to people who've basically not had that much power and control before. Of course, that's a recipe for a disaster, as we're seeing, and most of the governors have gone kind of cuckoo with it. Um, you're lucky in Texas, you've got a good one. I think Florida has another decent um, governor there as well. So it's interesting to see it all play out. Here in Canada, it's uh, tyrannical all the way through. It's it's ridiculous. So I see people still today <clears throat> driving in their cars with a mask on by themselves, Um I was the only one shopping on the weekend uh, without a mask. Um, It was quite alarming to still see it, although they didn't harass me, which was interesting. Maybe they're starting to just drop off the alarm bells a little bit. That seems to be softening. Um, I'm still, I still tiptoe around what's going on here. We just went to the swimming hole before, um, before this podcast, uh, my daughter and I, and there were families and dogs and babies and no one was wearing a mask. Everyone was swimming or sitting by the shore and no one was distancing or doing any creepy stuff. So that was nice. Um, I still feel very ostracized in this small town. I was, I was really disappointed in the response. I was coming out very strongly at the beginning, trying to encourage people to understand that this is a, this is a hoax. This is not real. Um, they've done this before and now they're doing it as worldwide as they can to see what they can get away with. And um, they, m- most of the people in this town either threw me under the bus or just completely would ignore me. There's even a, a couple of people who used to shop in my store. And if I'm sitting outside on my porch, they will literally cross the road and walk their dog on the other side of the road. And then when they're past my house, they'll cross back over. That's, that's how strange it is in this, in this town now. So I, it's, I don't know. I, I'm still trying to study a lot of the psychology here and why people behave the way they do. But uh, it's still very, um, you know, most people have bought the COVID narrative and most people are really excited to get their, their um, death darts. Um, I like that. I've not heard that before. Yeah. Yeah, even a lot of my family, of course, uh, despite what I do, despite despite the, the training, the education, the uh, authorship, the work that I do, the amount of expression that I give, the amount of personal one-on-one time I've given to family members, despite that, it, it seems to be irrelevant. They will um, do whatever peer pressure dictates and whatever the um, dictators and liars on the television tell them to do. So there's not much I can do for, for, for them. I have to just love them and let them go. 
Uh, and I'm sure, again, a lot of people are in similar situations where they've had to um, let go of loved ones like that. It's not an easy place to be. Definitely. Um, yeah, on that note, uh, I don't think I've ever actually mentioned this on my podcast. Um, I, there's just some things that I typically like to keep private or at least keep private for a little bit, you know, about my life. But uh, this will be the first time I believe I'm ever saying this on on my show. Last July, so in the middle of 2020, my mom was actually diagnosed with breast cancer. And, um, you know, it was really tough for my family, but it was stage one. And she went ahead and she went the, um, you know, the, the typical Western uh, way, but things have turned out really great for her. And she looks really good. She looks younger now than she did before she uh, had her diagnosis. Um, her hair is coming back with a vengeance. It's really incredible. Honestly, she's glowing. So I'm really glad there. Uh, but all throughout the entire process, I knew the job was coming, you know, I knew that it was inevitable that they were going to come out with this thing. And I just begged my mom. I, every time I talked to her, I said, mom, tell me, you're not going to do it. Tell me you're not going to get it. And she would be like, well, you know, I, you know, she was always kind of on the fence about it. Um, my dad very against it. Thank God. <laughs> but, um, uh, my mom, uh, you know, she's, She's a biology teacher. She has been for, well, she just retired, but she was for like 40 years and, um, you know, just very into mainstream, you know, Western science. And so uh, here we are. She still has not gotten the jab. I don't think my dad would let her, even if she wanted to, but uh, fortunately she has a, a new doctor now who is a little bit more into the natural side. Um, he's, he told my mom, we don't, we don't believe in jabs here. And he uh, also put put her, excuse me, on um, an essential oil regimen. So that's that kind of stuff is very new to my mom and to my parents. You know, uh, that's just something that they never really, you know, had any knowledge of, as far as I know. So um, I'm happy with that. You know, I'm I'm really I'm really thrilled that that is the case currently. So, um, yeah, I'm still, every time I talk to her, I still kind of nonchalantly bring it up. Um, but I don't know where I was going with that, I guess. Oh, it was on the point that you said, you know, you have family members that are, that are going to go ahead and do it or have already done it. And so, um, yeah, I hate to hear that. And, and the other thing that I wanted to mention was, you know, I, 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 I feel it for you that you have been, um, astronaut, excuse me, ostracized in your community. And I hate that for you. And I hope it didn't sound like I was, throwing my positive experience in your face or anything like that. I, I do, um, you know, empathize with you. I, I hate to hear that your experience has been so negative in your own community. You know, that's, that's really rough to hear. Thank you. Well, you know, on, on that note, that's been kind of stirring, but on the other side of the whole um, coin is that I, I met my fiance through this. Um, he's, you know, the love of my life and he's a very powerful male and I'm, I'm very happy that Amazing. this brought us together, you know, and not only that, the amount of really incredible people that I've been able to meet and people who felt called to, to meet me and, and would drive hours and hours to do so. Um, and the collective community that's growing around us, despite all of that. And it's a real line in the sand that's being drawn. So I feel on the other, on the one hand, I mourn that what it was, I mourn the way it was because I know it'll never be like that. The way that I raised my daughter in this town was a friendly town where you say hi when you walk by someone, you know, and you, you know, everyone because everyone goes to the same school and you know, all the parents and or you all see each other at the library and you all see each other at the skating rink and you know each other's faces, right? So I always desired that kind of community. And that's one of the main reasons why I moved here. And so sure. it, it felt like a place of home and it felt comfortable. So now it doesn't feel comfortable, but I know that's all changing and there's new people in my life that are really awake and really knowledgeable and are already way ahead of you know, as far as food security and, um, you know, animal husbandry or whatever the things that they do to live on the land. 
Um, and I'm, I'm, it's interesting. It's an interesting change, but at the same time, of course, you're going to mourn what you had. I think that's normal and natural to do it. Uh, and you let go and then you, you look at the good things in your life and you, you, you thank God that you have that and that you're not alone and that you feel supported and, um, you'll be able to survive through some of the hard times when you have this togetherness. And there's a lot of uncertainty, of course, but we know that we're, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I don't feel that death is really real. I think that we're eternal beings and um, I don't let fear guide me and, and make decisions for me like a lot of people today are doing exactly that. I mean, most people will go and line themselves up for a eugenics experience um, just because they, they want to get on an airplane to go to the Bahamas once a year, you know? Um, right, right. Yeah, I, I had a couple of buddies of mine not too long ago. They said, you know, we're, we're with you on, on the jab, on the death darts. But they were like, well, what if, I mean, what if you couldn't do anything though? You know, what if you couldn't go to the grocery store without having the jab? Or what if you couldn't travel? And... I told them, I said, you know what? I think I would rather die. You know, I think I, and, and they didn't understand that because they were thinking like, well, that's counterintuitive. Like the whole reason that you'd want to get it is so that you don't starve to death or whatever, you know? And, and, and maybe if there was, um, you know, <laughs> maybe if there was a, a world health organization agent or someone, you know, at, you know, had me on my knees with a gun to my head, maybe my answer would be different. But at least from where I stand right now, I think I would rather die than comply. I really do. I mean, I because th- it's about principle, you know. And also, I know that that it can't protect me. I know that the jab can't protect me from anything. So, um, yeah. Uh, and again, maybe my perspective would change if it actually came to came to that, which I don't think it ever will. You know, I think that's just kind of like fear programming but I really do think I'd rather die. I don't know if, if you identify with that or if you could speak to that. Well, for one, that the question that someone would ask you that's saying, you know, what wouldn't you do it if you couldn't go shopping or whatever, um, is almost irrelevant because it talks, they're asking the question from ignorance because if you actually know how the law works, you no one can actually do that. They're banking on you complying thinking that it's the law when it's not right um, right and trying them trying to push through color of law as law when it's not uh all you would have to do is create paperwork uh and documentation to prepare your route for example if you're traveling ahead of time uh, so you would be able to pass without such a, a need and they would probably not know even what to do with a lot of that other than to just let you buy. It's like ba- basically claiming indigenous status. Uh, it's, it, sorry, I'm not part of your society. And uh, it's, that's your rules are, are for your corporate entities, which are these people. Um, I'm not one of your corporate entities. And uh, I'm just interfacing here to get from A to B. I'm just traveling from A to B. And here's my information. And um, if you don't let me through, then there's going to be lawsuits involved. So, you, you, and the liability involved as well. So it's up to you. Um, sure. So that's what I mean. Like it might be some hassle to do that in the in the beginning, but that's what I would be doing. I wouldn't even be lining up to die. I would be lining up to fight back and to say what you're say what they're saying is a lie, and uh, I have. The right to to shop and it's discrimination it's the prejudiced act which goes against our charter goes against a lot of these base fundamental constitutional rights so i would just take it up as a constitutional case and sue them personally and that's why you, you've got to know the law i have uh, i have a fee schedule i have documentation already in place so i can start to charge the money because money talks right and if they continue to do harm to me by not allowing me to get the basics that I need for my well-being, then there's damages, and the damages will go on them as individuals, not under even their corporation. So that's how I would answer that question sure. and handle it. So I guess you're you're referencing kind of the uh, the common law stuff and the um, the law of the land and the law of the sea 
kind of stuff? Yeah, I usually um, work with the either the Admiralty system or the commercial redemption sort of approach where okay. uh, everything's a contract. So I, 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 get, I get more action that way rather than the common law stuff. Common law is basically what you do when you've created your own communities and you need to have um, a common ground kind of thing, but it's still underneath their statute. So I don't, I don't really support common law. Um, I think it's part of the, um, the structure that exists and we want to get away from that particular oh, yeah. corrupt structure. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's the, it's the beast system for sure. Um, so one thing I wanted to ask you about really quickly, and then we could move on, but I wanted to ask you this because you're actually the first mm-hmm. female guest that I've ever had on my show. And um, I've had a, quite a few guests on my show so far. Um, one thing that you mentioned earlier was that in all of the, the chaos and the madness of 2020, uh, you met your now fiance. And uh, you said that he's a very powerful male. And uh, I liked how you, you referred to him that way because, um, you know, over time, especially recently, as I've started to kind of um, become more aware of the actual agenda to strip, um, I guess, masculinity away from society, I've, I've started to kind of become more aware of that. I've actually tried to cultivate my masculinity more in reaction to it. And it has done nothing but make my life better. <laughs> and so the reason I bring that up is because at the beginning of all of the, the COVID stuff, um, there was this, and you're probably familiar with her, there's this lady on YouTube called Peggy Hall. <laughs> and she put out a video called Where Are All the Men, right? And she pointed out how there were so many women that were leading this resistance, right? That were really speaking up and standing out. And she would go out in public and she would see all of these grown men wearing these, you know, these diapers on their faces. And she was like, what the heck is going on? And my personal opinion is that so many men have just been castrated, right? Figuratively. And so um, I think that if we had more powerful men standing up. I mean, that was one of the, I'm not um, claiming that I personally am a powerful man, but you know, whenever I started learning how to garden and stocking up on food and getting familiar with guns and I started doing mixed martial arts and all these things last year, um, I was like, okay, you know, my family, we're pretty taken care of, but that's not enough. I want to do more for my community. And that's why I started this podcast and or that's one of the reasons that I started this podcast. Like I want to be a voice in all of this, right? So um, I guess I, my question to you is: Do you agree, or, or could you speak to that? Do you think that a lot of the the chaos and the turmoil in our world comes from uh, weakened men, weakened masculinity? Well, it's a long story to get you know from how this began to now um, by design. And really, it started with suppressing the female or suppressing anything is really how we get into trouble when it comes to freedom, law, health. Anytime you suppress something, you're going to get a blowback. Um, it's, just, yep. it's just a natural law. Um, so if you have a, a situation where you suppress a group um, in, any, in any way, and then you start implanting ideas into that group. And maybe that group didn't even feel suppressed. You know, for example, you have females who are um, staying at home and raising the children and cooking the meals. And the, the, the masculine, the male is out working and earning a living. And back then you could do such a thing, right? You could have a one uh, income household successfully sure. and have all the needs met. Then you start implanting ideas that, you know, women should be working or, you know, equal rights idea or equal gendered rights, um, which is an interesting idea, but, you know, male and female are not equal. There are different traits and different specialties to those traits. Uh, so you have to really tease that out. Um, so that became really big and, and promoting women as being a certain way um, and men, you know, like more powerful and more um, warrior-like and so forth. And sure, we can have women warriors. I feel like a woman warrior, but I'm also 
tender and soft and I'm in touch with the deeper parts of me and I feel um, I'm growing even more into my divine feminine energy as I've met my divine masculine and I'm allowing myself to relax on all of these really tough things that I didn't feel were part of my real self that I was doing because I had to do them because I didn't have the masculine energy with me. And so back then, um, you had the feminism movement, which was a diseased leftist cult idea. And that cult idea um, was, you know, burn the bras and behave a certain way and, you know, cut your hair off and do whatever and all this kind of thing. And that's fine. I'm sure there was a lot of suppression going on because toxic masculinity uh, started already coming in because of the war. So take the men, um, brutalize them give them um, psychosis, then they become alcoholics, then they come home and beat their wives. So of course the wives are not going to be happy. There's no support for the male, for the men. (laughs) And then they want to get out, right? So here you go. This is how the wars really started it all off. Um, And then you have now the, the, where we're at, which is the economic structure becoming so um, out of control that you have to have both parents uh, or both, you know, everyone in the household basically earning to just make ends meet, not even to thrive. Uh, And again, that is by design. So, and then not only that, now you want, if you want to give, put eugenics into place and and dump the population in order to take it over, um, make sure you throw a lot of xenoestrogens or false estrogens into the food supply um, and into the air. And you'll have some soy boys or some males that are not producing enough sperm or testosterone. Uh, and you'll have females that are growing chin hair and having hard menopauses. Um, so that's what we see all the time. The nice thing is you can actually detox that and correct that. So that's the good news. Um, and that whatever, I don't know how many hundreds of different genders apparently they've been making up as they go along. Um, but that's another part of the psychosis that happens when your hormones are in complete disarray. You've been fed a bunch of leftist whack job ideas, um, like Marxism, and you're confused about what this place is and who you are in it. Uh, and that's just, again, it's another mind worm that's been, that's a real infection. That's the television infection. Um, that's we're seeing play out now. Yeah, so fascinating. The way that you, um, you know, just the way that you put that was so interesting and fascinating. And, you know, I, uh, something that I've talked about before on this podcast is the, you know, the, the people that pull the strings, the controllers, whatever you want to call them, they are into some really weird, evil stuff. And, there is a worship of the Baphomet spirit, which I'm, I'm sure that you're familiar with. And, um, you know, Baphomet is a very androgynous figure. And so you kind of see that um, happening in society today where the masculine and the feminine are kind of merging into one. You know, it seems like that's what one of their agendas So uh, all of that stuff is so interesting to me. And then especially kind of what I was getting at originally with the question is more of like, um, you know, physically uh, as, as opposed to metaphysically, like what's going on with the, uh, like you said, the xenoestrogen and and the food supply and in the air and, and in the water and, and that stuff is just, wow. You know, it's mind blowing and and really interesting to see. Now that's kind of a conversation for another day, but Mm -hmm. um I really enjoyed your your perspective on that. So uh, moving on, um, the next thing that I wanted to talk about with you, I've just I've had these so many questions just you know building up for for so long. So I'm I'm so glad I'm finally getting to talk to you. Um, so whenever I started learning about natural healing and, and alternative medicine, and I don't even like to call it alternative medicine because really it's just medicine. You know, really, the um, the petroleum-based medicine—that's the alternative, in my opinion. And I'm sure that you share that same opinion because natural healing was around forever. You know, um, the petroleum-based stuff is a very recent phenomenon uh, in in terms of the you know terms of history, really. So, 
uh, when I started learning about that, I started learning about the uh, the influence that the Rockefeller dynasty had on particularly Western medicine. And I was wondering if you could speak uh, to that corruption a little bit in, in your own words. I've heard you talk about it before, but I was wondering if you could kind of, you know, briefly kind of sum that up for my audience. Yes, this group of, what do we call these things? Um, if you even look at Rockefeller, it's a the creepiest looking creature. <laughs> right. Demons, really. You, you I mean, just have just... to, you know, what are these things? Um, yeah. Well, like the history has been rewritten, okay, many times over. And what they're doing actually right now is we are in another great reset. Uh, so every so often they reset everything. They wipe out huge proportions of the population. They burn the books. They hide the information like the censorship, for example, we're seeing. Uh, and they, they, they change the story. They make up Wikipedia, which is pretty much almost all lies, um, so that you don't even know where to find the information. So that's why you have to dig. And not only that, you have to have your internal discernment filter on level 11, you know, amp up to 11 there, because if you can't discern truth, if you don't know what truth feels like inside your body, when you feel it, when you hear it, then you're going to be lost in this because one of the tactics is to overwhelm people with abundance of information coming at all angles and you don't know what's up or what's down, literally. So um, this story, this big pharma story came from the robber barons. And if you just type in robber barons, you'll get the Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller story. This is, you know, starting in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And, um, but even, it goes even further back than that. And it's like 1700s, um, people were starting to be sold on pharmaceuticals. They were starting to use things like petroleum derivatives, um, dyes that were chemical in nature. Uh, trying to make drugs out of those chemical dyes, uh, using a lot of coal tar um, dyes and drugs and, and used in cosmetics and, and that sort of thing and all of these toxic materials. And it was a toxic result of, of um, for coal burning uh, or production. And a lot of these industrious um, robber barons were just trying to sell off their waste products as a secondary product. Um, just like they do in the aluminum industry, they sell off fluoride as somehow like a natural product that they shove into our drinking water, which is actually a neurotoxin. Um, but they're very good marketers and they have no scruples, meaning they have no morals uh, in the way that they do that. So you had um, Bayer uh, involved, uh, which was a, actually manufacturing dyes. Uh, if you go back into like the 1880s and they expanded into the pharmaceuticals at that time. And uh, they figured out how to make these drugs from the chemicals and Bayer was one of the first. They started to sell a patented um, a diacetyl morphine basically as heroin. And they had a major success. Of course, a lot of people know about aspirin. That was 1899. And so this, this heroin product um, where basically they boiled opium, and they sold it as a children's cough medicine, uh, they sold it for adults, they, they lied, they said it wasn't addictive. Um, the, you know, already we were seeing this corruption and lying in the industry, and this is the true snake oil, really, uh, and, the, and the true quacks were coming out of this. And so John G. Rockefeller founded Standard Oil. Uh, so one of the robber barons, one was oil, one was uh, steel, you know, um, later came Ford and, and, the, and the automobile, gasoline, all of these industrious men who cornered markets and monopolized markets where there really weren't rules or laws to stop them from becoming billionaires uh, in a time where, you know, bread was probably like a penny. <laughs> Uh, actually, there, Standard Oil was sued um, because of the mo monopolizing, and really all they did was decide to make a, mu a number of uh, corporate subsidiaries that they named things like uh, all different Standard Oils, like of Kentucky, California, New Jersey, New York had one, Indiana had one, so they did one in Ohio, and they just branched out, and now that's 
the same people are running your Chevrons, your ExxonMobil, your BP, uh, and another one called Marathon. So they just hide behind these other corporations, but it all leads back to the same source. Um, here we have a lot of ESO gas, for example, and that goes right, that's ExxonMobil. So you can always link them back. So too much power, too much money, and no morals. And there are a bunch of these individuals. Um, and there, it goes, again, further back than that. But for your audience, we'll just kind of <laughs> stick to that. They started to patent the medicine that they were making. Um, so you have bottomless funds going into a huge medical belief system based on uh, waste products and big industry with um, all of this uh, support. Then the idea was they would fund medical schools, they would create licensing laws, um, people could get grants for studies, and they started to build this um, medical system. Then you would, if you had that much money, you could crush natural medicine easily. You could lobby for laws. You could put people on the boards that would control the boards. Um, and they start to make everything illegal. If you did not use their system, it was considering practicing medicine without a license. Um, now, back then, they were using alcohol for fuel. So the farmers were also using basic grain alcohol to run their machinery. And Rockefeller uh, was part of the prohibition of alcohol, which was nothing to do with health or uh, some sort of moral standard or anything like that. It was to specifically to take over the farming in the agriculture institutions or, or just your general farmers so that they would start to burn, uh, use gasoline and oil and stop burning alcohol for their, um, for their farming equipment, which made, of course, everything more expensive. Um, so then you have things like these corporate philanthropies. Um, you have the Rockefeller Foundation, which is taking a hand in this scam right now. The uh, Carnegie Endowment. Uh, we have Eli Lilly. They have the Lilly Trust. They steered all the paradigm of medicine into this direction. Um, and then the main turning point was with the Flexner Report, which many people have heard about who have done any lick of research in this area. Um, it was a couple of brothers. And they went around and basically found the information they needed to allow the powers to be that be to suppress holistic medicine like naturopathy and um, and promote themselves and and use that paperwork to pressure um, the schools and make sure that they got their anchored status. And this is really where it's gone from there now. The other thing that bolstered it was the false germ theory. Um, Louis Pasteur was one of those amoral frauds and liars and hoaxers who pushed through a false idea, which perfectly suited the pharmaceutical ideology because if you could make people afraid of germs, then you could sell them all kinds of chemicals to kill germs. You could sell them all of the so-called cleaning products in their homes, like Lysol, to, to kill stuff. You could give them all the sanitizers. You could give them antibiotics. You could tell them that the vaccines were good. All of these things that you could sell them in a drug for every disease. So the, ide the idea of labeling diseases um, like a constellation of symptoms and calling it a specific disease or the naming of diseases was basically for marketing purposes. Um, and when they were done pushing an agenda, they would simply dissolve the name of a disease and, and relabel it just like they did with polio. They decided that they were done with the title and they would call it other things instead. And it just dissolved into about, you know, six or eight different other names for the same illness, which was simply caused by DDT poisoning or Paris green poisoning or any other neurological pesticide agent that would cause that um, paralysis. So here we are today actually going, wait a second, <laughs> they're still doing this gambit. They're still allowed somehow to manipulate humanity in this fear propaganda and scare them into thinking that germs cause disease and that contagion is real uh, when it's not. It's a huge part of a belief system that people feed forward because their thoughts are powerful 
And if you can't see properly, then you will make the result that makes sense for you. So you may not have seen that party where everyone ate the spinach dip and all those people got a quote unquote flu or a stomach bug, right? At that party, you might think they, they somehow magically got sick from each other, but it was actually a common exposure that got them sick. Um, but because of ignorance and because of the ideologies, again, we have a mind worm that's been infected into the population. Um, people just dis- assume it's really just superstition. Uh, it's definitely not science. Uh, it's definitely not fact or truth. And we're coming to it now. We're really at the beginning parts of a fundamental uh, scientific revolution. And I'm, I'm very excited about it because... I've been waiting for this for many, many years, knowing that uh, all of these chemical medicines were killing people um, and damaging future generations and dumbing down the population and leading us into a place where we have a severe population drop. So I'm, I'm happy to see it coming forward now. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really incredible to to bear witness to it all. Um, that's something that I've been telling my friends and family through all of this is that, you know what, I would not choose to live in any other time period than now, because we are in history, we are witnessing history. And even though it might seem like a lot of trials and tribulations, we're getting to we, we get the opportunity to be a part of something very beautiful, you know. Mm-hmm. So um but just uh, to, you know, to speak to what you were saying, um, as I do more and more research, the more and more that I look into the Western model and, you know, the, this uh, Rockefeller founded model of medicine, the more and more archaic and um, almost medieval, it seems, you know, um, the idea of stabbing a needle into a baby that has just come out of the womb is so bizarre to me now. And growing up before I was awake, that sounded perfectly normal because I was taught that, you know, you had to give babies these shots and you needed to get these shots as you grew and developed. And it's just so bizarre to think about how that seemed normal. But now that I'm awake and I'm conscious and I'm aware, it's just like, this seems primitive, you know, like, like, it's like, it's it's like, you know, when you look back into the past and see some of the things that they did, like bleeding people and and things like, I mean, it's just, it doesn't seem, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. It just, it just seems so blatantly, obviously wrong, I guess is what I'm getting at. So yeah, it's so bizarre. (laughs) Yeah. The whole um, system, the medicalized system, was really a a power grab. So if you can take out of the household, uh, first of all, you you damage all of the indigenous people because indigenous people have their own medicine. So you have to also, you know, get rid of your competition. So there was um, a lot going on in that direction. You had to make sure that um, all of the holistic healers were branded as witches or doing some sort of heretical behavior or or acts that were sinful so you could burn them um, or kill them in some way or or, which you know what at this point we don't even know if all of the history and all of that information is true Um, we we're just going on what we think we're reading in history i'm getting to that place where every story i think i'm hearing is suspicious (laughs) Um, even if it seems really backed up, because I feel like a lot of the what they need to do in order to affect us is make us believe the story first, and then we're the ones that put our God-given generation creator energy forward into it and manifest it on their behalf. I don't think whatever these things are have that power. I think that's why they out to their lucifer um demonic gods so much and do really sick rituals because they don't have the connection to god and so they use us 
to manifest what they want and they're very clever at it. Um, so even though I read stories about burning witches at the stake and that kind of thing, not that I doubt that it happened. I just don't know what at what level and if those people somehow consented in some way, maybe unwillingly, because we have free will and they have to overcome and overwhelm our free will in order to do anything negative to us. Um, and that's the good news. That's where we have to remember our power um, to say no and to to cut all ties and to cut contracts and to ensure we're not contracting with them. Um, but I I find that history of changing what happened, you know, still suspicious. And I I know that they went around and they damaged uh, the homeopathic hospitals. I read about that. To what end? Um, I know they're doing it even in my own industry. I was very vocal in school about it. I saw it firsthand happening. And the method is like they're doing with the UN agenda is a very slow creeping kind of like a tortoise moving along ever forward and and continuing with their goal which is to infiltrate so if you can get in a foot in or a couple of your board members you know switched out um you can steer that agenda um so that's what happened to a lot of the holistics um medicine and but we still have the knowledge. Um, we still have it preserved for now. We just need to make sure that we get it back into the homes. That's one of my goals. We had folk medicine. People knew what to do for sprains and breaks and cuts and other sorts of situations and fevers that were, you know, unrelenting or whatever, anything to do with the skin, anything to do with diet. They knew what to do. They didn't have hospitals. We need to remember that knowledge and bring it back into our own home dispensaries and be able to understand the very medicine that grows all around your home and how to use it properly and stop relying on a system that's not there for you, that's just there to um, use you and, and, and gain from you and also to then destroy your own children in, in, in it. So I never thought any of the, the, um, the doctors were really onto anything like the, I remember when we had went for our MMR, it was the MMR that damaged both my brother and I severely. And it was my brother's turn to get the needle and we were in the, the doctor's office and something inside of him, he knew that it was poison. He knew he couldn't have that in him and he was running around the room and the, the needle had cut him and scraped him because he kept pulling away. And, and I remember that moment. And if I had been older, you know, I, I would have stood up and I would have protected him from it because that was the one, those, those really, the, the worst of the worst are the triple hitters, the ones that have all these so-called different disease agents in one. So MMR, DTAP, they are just absolutely the ones that send people into autism, send people to their grave um, and destroy things like your adenoids and tonsil tissue and lead you to a lifetime of lymphatic congestion and other organ system failures. And and it's they they're so pathological and so demented and psychopathic that they will refuse to see what's in front of them. They refuse to see the injury they cause. And this is why I started to realize how dangerous these um, so-called heroes, um, doctors and nurses and these people who push the drugs from the industry onto the populace uh, really are. They're, they're, I don't respect them at all. Um, and I feel for a lot of them who got sucked into it, um, who might have had awakenings in the midst of their careers and don't know what to do to get out of it. But uh, that's why it's one of the highest rates of suicide for, for, uh, for a profession um, because of the harm they actually have done to people. So it's, it's, an, it's something we're seeing. It's something we're ever more aware of. And this is why I promote self-empowerment and learning your body, learning the basic things you need to do for your body, prevention as cure, and how to um, 
have natural childbirth and and just never ever put anything into your child. My my child's never ever been to a, a, a one of those medical institutions. She was born at home into water. Um, she was never injected with anything. She's never had a drug in her life and an antibiotic or anything. Not one thing. Not an aspirin. Not a fever suppressant. Nothing. Uh, she's nine years old, and she's absolute picture of health, um, brilliance, beauty, and uh, she's funny, and she can sing and play piano just naturally, you know. And you see these children just flourish without the poisons, and it breaks my heart that so many of our children have gone through this cult ritual, and that their parents line them up for it, and they. They're so inverted. They think they're actually doing good things when they're doing the opposite. And that's very hard for parents to come to terms with. Well, everyone, that does it for part one of episode 32. Part two will be available only for patrons. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. And patrons, I know you will enjoy part two. Um, It gets even better. So, uh, yeah, let me know what you think. Uh, Before we wrap this episode up, I have just a couple of new patron shout-outs to do. So without further ado, uh, my first one is going to be biggest of grandest of shout-outs to my boy Josh. Thank you so much for becoming a patron. Uh, Your support definitely means the world. Thank you so much for your contribution. And then my second patron shout-out is to Joe. Joe, you know who you are. Uh, again, thank you so much for your contribution to the show. And, um, you know, it's people like you that make this show possible. So um, I hope you enjoyed your shout out. And that is going to wrap up episode 32. All right, listeners, thank you so much for sticking with me if you made it this far. If you liked what you heard, uh, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And follow me on Instagram at 1980nowpodcast. That's going to be 1980 underscore podcast. And if you really, really like the podcast, you can support me by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and I'll probably read it on the show. Um, And then also consider becoming a patron. All right, guys. As usual, another really cool episode will be dropping a week from now, so be sure to stay tuned. Y'all already know, I will see you next time. Stay free.